More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. Trust your compass. Albert Bosch on adventure, entrepreneurship, and the environment. Living his purpose through his achievements in the great outdoors, Albert Bosch is one of the planet's foremost adventure sports athletes, as well as one of its leading advocates. Some of the intrepid Spaniard's noteworthy achievements include walking unassisted, 90% solo, from the coast of Antarctica to the South Pole, scaling the tallest mountain on each of the seven continents, and participating in nine Dakar rallies. Bosch routinely adapts methods to accomplish his goals without damaging the environment. In his books, he admits his past failures with ease and gratitude, referring to them as building blocks. His dedication shines through his work, which is an invaluable resource for others looking to define their purpose, realize their goals, and unlock their potential. We sat down with Albert to discuss the place where adventure and entrepreneurship meet, as well as our responsibility as leaders to see personal needs and the needs of the planet as one. Enjoy this episode with Albert Bosch. Albert, I have tons of questions for you, but to give our listeners and our readers a little bit more of a background on how you started out as an entrepreneur and how you started out as an adventurer, mm. that would be great. Yeah, how I become both things. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, first of all, I have to say that there is not much difference, I think, between being an entrepreneur and being an adventurer, you know? When you are an entrepreneur, you are an adventurer on the field of business, you know? <laughs> and when you are just an adventurer, you are an entrepreneur on the field of geographical challenges, you know? Mm. It's, it's the difference. But, I mean, I can be entrepreneur because I have the skills of an adventurer mm -hmm. because I I manage the risk because I put my targets my goals and I am quite ambitious on that I am quite comfortable with the uncertainty and so on you know I, I understand that the failure is part of the way and also as an adventurer I can be an adventurer because I am an entrepreneur because I am not a sportman you know the sport is just part of the adventure mm -hmm. uh, the other part is organizing funding it uh, building the teams managing the risks uh, bringing all the material all the staff planning all the expedition i mean they're very similar activities and well i became an entrepreneur first of all because uh, I, i didn't want to have a boss <laughs> it's everybody says but for me it's like a kind of religion a kind of religion You know, my life is so important that uh, I don't like to be told always what I have to do. And also because I am very, very, very ambitious on my time. You know, I want to be the owner in my time. I'm not very ambitious on money, you know, but I'm very ambitious on my time. And the only way I, I understood that I can be the owner of my time is working for myself and being an entrepreneur. First of all, I, I, I was not an adventurer. Uh, I, I started to be called as a venture when I started uh, because I started doing just sport at a high level, extreme sport, but I was just doing the part I like it to do, the sport mm -hmm. part, training. And I participated in organized 
things, you know, organize things. Some other people organize the event, an ultramarathon, a Dakar rally, any competition, and I use the sport to enjoy that. But finally, I, I, I realized that wouldn't be on the top of the sportsman in the world. I wouldn't be in the elite. I, I, it was difficult to understand that because I, I thought that just working, 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 I could achieve that. <laughs> and then I, I realized that I could not live from that. I could not live from being from the sport. But I discovered that I could live from the adventure, promoting my projects. And I mixed the entrepreneur side with the adventure side. So I, I am an entrepreneur to do some business, but I am an entrepreneur to do some adventure projects. And now I am 53 next week. I will be 53. And, and I am still very active. I have a lot of projects running uh, because it doesn't depend only on my fitness. Also, I have to be fit. But I am an entrepreneur on that. So I've done a lot of adventures with this philosophy, being the entrepreneur of my adventures. Being the entrepreneur of your adventures, I think that's the best title we've ever had for an interview. <laughs> um, we'll talk a little bit more about like, you know, how you also through all these experiences that you've had, like how you've defined a sort of like an approach to what it truly means to be a leader and develop sustainable leadership for the future that we are facing today in this world. But first of all, I'd like to, to ask you the question, because you've done so many things. I do want to ask you the question, like, what is the adventure that stands out the most for you? Or like, you know, the adventure that was the most complex, maybe to organize and, and the hardest to live through? Like, do you do you have one that stands out? Or are they all really like unique to you? Well, it's difficult to choose always one thing, because in every venture, the big adventure is special but there is special moments where they are very critical very difficult and maybe very dangerous mm -hmm. so sometimes maybe that moment you remember that moment as the most special moment in, in your life mm. but i would say that maybe the one who highlights in all my adventures is the traverse of the antarctica when i went from antarctica to south pole because as you said maybe it was the, the expedition that has been more complicated for me to organize mm -hmm. first to sell to sell sponsorship because selling one adventure that you will be isolated for two months without nearly communication uh, to the sponsors they, they prefer to be in one ground in one football ground and you know they can record they can so it's difficult to, to communicate the concept and to sell it first mm. difficult second difficulty to find the team. Mm. the team for that is very complicated because there are very few people who has, is ready for that And sometimes it's easy to make a mistake with a teammate. In the, and I did here, and I did the mistake. And third point is because organizing all the logistics for living around two months absolutely autonomous mm -hmm. from any connection with a civilization, you must be accurate. <laughs> be accurate on that. So it's very complicated. And also for what happened. After 31 kilometers, I had to do 1,200. After 31 kilometers... My teammate uh, just left. We were very near the Antarctic base that uh, helped us, you know, and it was easy to do uh, an evacuation. It was easy and because we had been in the tent for 15 days blocked. That's mm -hmm. true. Not, it's not easy to manage. And he decided to go. They came to pick up him and I stayed alone for 48 days, absolutely alone in Antarctica uh, until I reached the South Pole. So I had to manage the adaptation to the new situation, adapting. Manage the loneliness, manage the any any danger. It was very dangerous before, but when you stay alone, the dangers are much higher. Mm -hmm. You know, they they go to the limit, 
And well, you have to manage all the things. So it was a big adventure. <laughs> Very nice. It was, if I was finding adventure, I got it there. What do you do in those situations? Like when the fear obviously comes and the fear becomes like almost like a constant companion on these things that you do. How have you become, well, not maybe not a victim of fear, but like a companion to fear throughout your career? Like how, how have you managed that to, to overcome sort of like, you know, the, this and pushing yourself so far? Yes, first of all, that I think that uh, that's a skill you must have on your own, both in adventure and being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. uh, you must be comfortable with uncertainty. If you are not comfortable in, in uncertainty and risky situations and limit situations, you cannot do that. Mm -hmm. If you want to do adventures, uh, one of the definitions of adventure is that it's uncertain and risky. Sure, you have fear sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sure. I mean, it's not, it's not possible not to feel fear. If you don't feel fear, you can have two problems. One, maybe it's not an ambitious project. It's a shit of project. If you want to be <laughs> just to that small hill inside your house, you will not have fear, but it's not a big adventure, yeah. you know? And second, maybe it's a big project. But if you don't have fear, you are an unconscious adventurer, you know? Because you can do stupid things and you need to have respect for, for what you have. And it's good to have fear because... You can die. <laughs> you can die. And the risk of life, it's not a risk of, oh, can, we can achieve the goal or we cannot achieve the goal. No, maybe if you don't achieve the goal, you don't come back. You know? So it's normal to have fear. It's yeah. normal to have fear. And it's welcome, the fear. But then you have to manage to, to use the fear as your companion, as you said, as your companion. Uh, the fear is not there for blocking you. You know, if, if when you have fear, you get blocked, ah, you have, you, you, you have to, 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 to go to another profession, another activity. The fear has to be used for being extremely conscious, being extremely planet before, you know, to do all your homework, to maximize your capacities, to be concentrated and to give your best. And, and especially in the moment, the precise moment to be effective, to be calm and effective. Of course, if the fear is too much, you have to renounce. Mm -hmm. that, that's, I mean, and it's not always you have to go ahead. Sometimes you need to have the courage to say, no, it's not the moment. Mm -hmm. No, it's not the moment. I cannot claim that mountain. I cannot pass this crevasse. But if you always resign, mm -hmm. if you always give up, you will never achieve a goal. So the balance with that is not easy because I know a lot of people who try ambitious projects, but they never achieve the goal. Never, you know? So, and, and other people who, who always is crazy and sometimes is, they have problems. So it's, it's, a, it's a delicate art of managing the fear. I love that you just bring that up as well, Albert, because such an important thing to highlight here is like, you know, where does it become ego? Like, mm. when do you start trying to prove a point, right? Like, and when is it still fulfilling a purpose, like an adventure, something that has a, like, that is larger than yourself. So how do you balance that? Like, obviously there's the ego, there's the pride in wanting to do something extraordinary as an individual, right? Like, I mean, nobody could do the things that you do without having that part of the drive. And you told me before as well, like, you know, typical entrepreneur, we don't want bosses. We don't want anyone to tell us what to do. And, and it's a normal, and, and we have that, right? Like, so, so how do you, how do you balance that though? Like, when do you, do you have like a, a checkpoint with yourself where you're like, okay, Albert, you're doing this, this you're doing because of your ego and this you're doing for the sake of the, of the larger purpose of the adventure. Like, how did you get to know yourself so well in that respect? 
very important question. It's a key question. You're very good doing questions. Eh? Very good doing questions. <laughs> a big part of that is ego. We have to recognize. I mean, ego is part of our motivation sometimes. And in both lives, entrepreneur life and in adventure life, you want to achieve your goals, your satisfaction, your reputation, your public image, blah, blah, blah. No? So it's, it's part of it. But it's stupid to do it only for ego, you know, because you, you risk your life there. There is nothing worse in life. There is nothing worse. It's a metaphor, that only, you know. Mm. But it's nothing worse to climb a mountain with a lot of effort, with a lot of sacrifice, with a lot of risk, with a lot of injuries, with a lot of tension and overcoming the obstacles. And when you are in the top, you realize that it was not the mountain you wanted to climb, you know. That is a big failure. Mm. That's a big failure. So... Uh, how do I manage that? All the projects, I, I leave them uh, do the digestion and I, I want them to be authentic. Mm-hmm. I need them to be authentic, be part of me. I, I must wish them with all, all, all my skin, with all my body, you know, uh, because and, and I ask myself, it's a very extreme question that, you know, but sometimes if there is risk, especially in a project where there is risk, if there is not life risk, you, you will discover there, you know. But if there, there is life risk, I ask myself, if you would never die doing that, would you be proud of yourself or you, would, you, would you think you are stupid dying mm-hmm. here? So because if you don't, it, only for your ego, it's stupid to, mm-hmm. to put your life in, in risk, you know. And also, I was maybe 40, 42. I realized that it was not enough, this authenticity, you know. I needed superior purpose, you know. I think it's not the same the goal or the purpose. It's not the same. You can have goals, but you can change the goals and you can forget the goals and you can insist in the goal. But the, the important is the purpose, this goal, which purpose serves, you know. And for, so for me, it's um, my connection with nature, with the uh, environment is so strong that, for example, I, I can never do a project which goes against nature, you know. I can never do a project that has a negative impact in society or environment, you know, never. So all the projects I do now I are connected on this positive impact. And I want to be considered, my, I consider myself, I don't need any title, a kind of advocate of nature, you know. Mm-hmm. And I use these projects to spread consciousness and actions for the nature, for the environment, for sustainability. I love, but I love that from the beginning of this conversation, you've also been talking about failures, right? Like, because I think it's so, with hindsight, it's always easy to say, like, uh, someone once told me, told me a great saying, and I don't remember who said it. Maybe you, you, you remember the saying, like someone, uh, it's my favorite saying, I think it takes years of work to become an overnight success, right? Like, so when people look at what, what you're doing today, like, you know, it's, it's uh, established and, and you've, and you've earned that title of being entrepreneur, adventurer, adventurer slash entrepreneur, but there must've been, it must've been a very rocky road for you to get here as well. And, and you are actually quite outspoken, I believe in general about failures as well. So I wanted to ask you in a positive way, almost like, you know, what is your favorite failure? I know it's maybe not a very logical thing to ask, but what is your, in hindsight, the failure that sort of like gave you the most positive sort of like uh, takeaways for your life, for the rest of your life? Hmm. I, I have quite a lot of failures. I cannot explain <laughs> you all of them, but if you want to do ambitious project, it's easy to fail. You know, mm. if you don't want to fail, do easy things, normal things and standard things, and you will not fail, but you will not 
achieve ambitious projects, mm -hmm. you know. So I have quite a lot, good fan of them, but my favorite one is, is related to Dakar Rally because I decided not to go there anymore, mm -hmm. never again. But I, I went back again. I went back once, you know, because I wanted to use all my experience driving and building a team and funding, funding the team. I wanted to use all that experience for the sustainable mobility, you know, because it was the toughest rally ride uh, race in the world and nobody has tried ever with an electric car, you know. Mm -hmm. And I say, I will go with an electric car. Of course, I will damage a little bit, but the purpose is much stronger than the damage. It's like Greenpeace, they go to save the Arctic with a diesel boat, you know. And it was so difficult for me, two years of working, funding, building a car, special car, with a lot of... It was very complicated. And the 3rd of um, January 2015, I was the first ever pilot in the world to face the toughest race uh, in the off-road world, you know, with a, a car with any single drop of fossil fuels, you know. It was a big moment, a big <laughs> moment, Ramia. Really, it was, I was, ah, uh, my, my purpose, <laughs> my goal, I did it, I did it, you know. And every kilometer I did, every kilometer I did, it was a world record, a mm. world record, because nobody had done before and somebody, you know, but this race lasts 15 days, but the third, the third day, the car stopped. <laughs> the car stopped. You can't imagine the failure it was because the project was very expensive, very expensive, a lot of money, a lot of money. Everybody was looking at that project. Mm. All media was looking at that, were interviewing that. All the teams, they were a little bit against that project because they felt guilty. They felt guilty. They, they were the bad ones. And we want to be a clean car, you know? We wanted to be a clean car, non-fossil fuels, zero emissions. That's where we go, you know? But it was 2015, so we have moved ahead a lot from them. So I felt everybody was pointing at me, ah, do that, do that, you know? I felt really uh, done, you know, really done. No, it was a big failure, and the team the team continued eh, next year, the year the year after, but with another pilot. They didn't achieve also, and two years later they could finish the Dakar with uh, an electric car. So, and at the beginning, but at the beginning when I knew the team was the team I was I had created, you know, was continuing without me. I had a kind of my ego. My ego told me ah, it's not possible. I was angry. I was you know, <laughs> but then I. It was a failure and I was not happy, you know, but that was a great lesson. But I, I was there not for my ego. I was for a purpose, you know. If I was just, I wanted just to enjoy, I could go with another normal car, mm -hmm. you know, like other years and I could enjoy. So, and my purpose was still running. So I, I gave all my support to the team and I helped them and I was happy that when I started, some other finished that. Mm -hmm. So it was a failure, but my, my, my learning or my lessons where that if you really work for a purpose, you know, it's very difficult to, to fail, mm -hmm. you know, because even if you fail, you are happy because you are working for a purpose. But on the contrary, be careful. If you are away from your purpose, if you don't want to do really what you do, even if you succeed, you are failing, you know, mm -hmm. you succeed on what you don't care about or something is against your purpose. So I never want to do things that are away from my purpose. Never. So, so, so it's fascinating. So 
achieving this kind of clarity for yourself is already a big challenge, right? Like, I think we all struggle with this, like, and to get to that point where, as you say, we understand the purpose, we can distinguish it from ego-driven, uh, ego-driven things, which is not always negative, but as you say, like, might not get you as far as if you have an overarching idea of what you're doing it for. But so this is for us ourselves alone. Now, when you talk about leadership, though, we're talking about people who have this role to inspire this in others, when we have to sort of like project this onto others and motivate others to follow us into an adventure, whether it's a business or whether, you know, you go <laughs> across, across the Antarctica, right? Like it, it's, it's, and as you said before, it's almost the same for certain people, depending on their risk profile. So what happens now? You have clarity in yourself. And now as a leader, you want to project that clarity to other people and inspire them and and be a good leader to them. What for you are the the key characteristics that you also identify I believe in your in your latest book that make a leader capable of doing that? There are not many uh, characteristics that can put together a team uh, for that. And I think that uh, it sounds a little bit uh, maybe spiritual that, but uh, I think the only way is values, you know. Mm -hmm. If you don't put the values together, any team will fail, you know. Mm -hmm. Any team will fail, especially in the moments we are now, you know. Uh, now the big fight actually in the companies, uh, even familiar companies or normal companies, but also familiar companies especially, uh, is having talent, acquiring talent and improving the talent and big fight is there, you know, because everything changed so much that we need talented people, you know, and what uh, wants talented people? They want to, the talented people have a problem. They are talented, you know, they can go wherever you, they want because mm -hmm. they are talented, you know, and they, they want to work hard on something that is, is important for them. So I think the only way to put the team together and go, forward ambitious projects, really ambitious projects, to be innovative, to be creative, take some risks, uh, to be to, to face change and uncertainty, is that they have to believe on what they do. Mm -hmm. So uh, in leadership for me is connecting with the purpose, with the individual purpose, with the goal, you know, uh, having uh, understanding that this leadership has to be shared. Mm -hmm. We don't have to set the goal only from up to down. Mm -hmm. Everybody must agree with the goal. Last question, Albert. What is your biggest adventure that you still want to tackle? What is your Mount Everest? Like, what is the thing that you're like, I still absolutely have to do this in my lifetime? I cannot answer with a physical challenge, you know. I don't know exactly because for me, my biggest challenge now from the adventure point of view is to find one challenge that really uh, is strong for, my, for that purpose, you know, really, but really strong. That I, I would love to find that. And I've tried with different things. I think I'm learning. And I think that will drive me to one big project that will be maybe my life project, you know. Um, I, I don't care if it's in the sea, in the desert, in the jungle, or in the mountains, you know, because I like all that. But it must be a challenge that really connected with the environmental purpose, you know, and it's not that if I don't climb this mountain or I cross the jungle, I will be frustrated. Mm -hmm. I, because there are so many things to do. Of course, I wanted, I would like to do North Pole because there's very few people in the in the world who has done the three poles of the of the Earth by expedition, the South Pole, North Pole, and Vertical Pole. It's mm -hmm. Everest, you know, because the other one is Marian, the Marian Posey in Ocean, but you cannot go by your own. You need mm -hmm. 
a boat. Uh, uh, Submarine. So there's very few people, but that's just ego. You know, I want to go there, you know. But the other thing I will, I have to do big, big one, big one, but for environmental purpose. Sure. We're very curious to see what you're doing next, Albert. We're definitely going to keep tabs on you. And uh, this is really, it's been really exciting for me. Thank you so much. Such a refreshing conversation. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes. 